0: So I'm really glad you're here today. I hope that you've had a good morning so far. I hope your week has started off really good for this day. I hope you've come to worship this morning with the expectation of this is the day the Lord has made and let us rejoice and be glad in it. So from the time that you got in your car or on your bicycle, if you are on a bicycle, or you walking down the street or whatever it was to get here, I hope that you've come with expectation and with joy and uh, we're glad you're here. If you're watching online, I'm really glad for you this morning to be able to join us wherever you are. Thanks for being a part of our time together in our worship time. I want to say something before we start, and that is that this is the last Sunday for Scott and Crystal Imsoff and their family. They're right over here Ask you guys to stand. If you don't mind, uh, Scott's been here since 2001, Crystal since 2003, and their family has all been born here, and they're headed to Northwest Austin, moving there. So we're going to miss you guys. We love you. Thank you for the time you spent here, and don't forget about us. So anyway, if you get a chance to say uh, goodbye to Scott and Crystal, make sure you do that. That would be good. So a few years ago, we took some leaves that we bought, I think, at uh, at Hobby Lobby. They were these leaves right here. Um, They're fake fall leaves. And when we took them, we said, hey, let's spend some time thinking about things that we're grateful for. And let's spend, it was right around Thanksgiving, so we'd sit down at night to supper, give everyone a leaf, everyone a marker. We said, why don't you write something down from this day that you're thankful for? And so we did that, and those then got put in here, a lot of them thrown away, um, that were duplicates or whatever, um, but ones that fit, we put them in here, they come out every fall, part of our decoration on our house. And I pulled them out last week because I was thinking about gratitude and thinking about there because the things that were there were so profound and so good but the things that were not there were things that I think I normally think about and go to when I think about things I'm thankful for because I think about oh I'm thankful for a roof over my head I'm thankful for clothes to wear I'm thankful for shoes I'm thankful for a vehicle I'm thankful for you know I start listening to all these physical things these materialistic type things and um, those weren't on these leaves now, there was on two of them at that time, we just got the new couch. Our old couch had been really old. It was threadbare in lots of places. It, it was time for a new couch. And so that was worthy of some of the leaves, our new couch. That was good. Uh, we also put on there, someone put um, put the, the heater, um, so a warm house. And I think that probably it was a really cold night that night. You know how those cold nights are. And then one of them or two of the leaves actually said clean house, which got me thinking, like, was our house really that dirty that we had to be thankful that it was actually clean? But we did evidently. But what's on these leaves more than anything else is people. It's our family members, and it's things written about family members. I'm thankful for this person and why. It's grandparents. It's people from church. It's friends. It's teachers. It was was the people. It was the intangible things and and the unmaterialistic things and the non-physical things that we we couldn't buy. It was all the things that that we couldn't buy. It was all things that at that time our family was thankful for, still are this is a fun thing to do. It's a fun way that we still have in our family. So if you're looking for something to do uh, either on your own or maybe with family, there's an idea just for, um, for Thanksgiving time. And so this morning I want to do, and you're probably thinking in your head, hold on, we still got a week and a half before Thanksgiving. So why would we be talking about gratitude right now? Can you just give us one more week of a normal sermon and then we'll get into the gratitude thing, do that for the year, be done, move on to the Christmas sermons and, and, and be on our way. And I want to say that in a year like 2020, I think it's extra important that we just remind ourselves of God's presence and his, his, um, his grateful, gratefulness to us, his graciousness to us, and that we be grateful for that. And so as you think about 2020, and you think about over the past year, and you think about all the things that happened, this is a year that is such that the normal Christmas ornaments that would go on your tree don't look the same. So they're more like this right here. You may have seen this one. If you haven't seen it, it's out on the internet. You can actually buy it for a friend or loved one if you want to. But it's so many of the things that we never would have thought of before this year. Tickets getting canceled, travel plans changed, um, YouTube and the presence that has, the coronavirus, social distancing of six foot, toilet paper shortage. Almost everything we've lived through this year, it's, been, it's up there. Except for one thing. It's the second toilet paper shortage. Because people keep talking about how toilet paper is going to get hoarded again. So if that's happening, that's not in the ornament. You can write that in or write on the back if you buy that one and have that. But anyway, it's a year that we haven't lived through any time before. So I want you to think about just this year. And I want you to think about all the things that you have experienced, all things we've experienced together, um, just as people alive right now, things we never thought we'd experience. And here's what we do most of the time. We start thinking about how bad it's all been. We start thinking about all of the negatives that we've encountered. We think, oh, it's been so difficult because this got canceled and this got changed. Oh, our family had plans for this, and we were going to do this together. And, man, this is horrible. This is the worst thing ever. We didn't get to do this. And I want to just say that while some of the things that have happened have truly been difficult, some things that have happened have truly been um, some, some very hard things to work through. Many of you in your families have experienced uh, losses of loved ones. Many of you in your families know of someone who's gotten, gotten COVID-19 and it's been not a mild case with them, but it's been a very severe case or a life-threatening case with them. Many of you know things that, that have happened. You didn't get to, to, to talk to family members for a long time, haven't been able to see family members for a long time, didn't get to see family members before maybe they passed away. Uh, maybe it's friends that you didn't get to say bye to before a graduation happened. There's been so many things that have happened have been difficult. Maybe it's just been a family thing for y'all. For in your family, marriage has been very difficult. Your relationship with a parent has been very difficult. Or you think about a, a child, and your child is just in just place at all. And, and it's been exasperated even more because of us being in the lockdown that we were in and all the stuff that continues to still be canceled simply because of how this virus has done and what it's done. But I want to say something because it's easy for me and it may be easy for you too, to focus on the negative things and miss out on the positive things because in the same way that God was working in our lives before COVID-19 happened God has been working in our lives since COVID-19 happened and his presence has not been diminished A t- shortage of toilet paper or a shortage of groceries in the store but there's been no shortage of God's love and while you may not known what day it is during the week or you may have dealt with some cancellation or whatever God has been present And God has been faithful. So if you start going in the direction of complaining, or you start going in the direction of, I am missing out, poor me. Or you start going in the direction of difficulty that happens, don't miss out on God's presence during all of it. So uh, one of the things that I heard a lot talking to students, talking to families, just talking to people in general before, you know, before March happened was the same phrase that kind of repeated in all of all the conversations and the phrase was was two words I'm busy and it didn't matter what it was like oh school is so busy right now or work is just really busy right now or you know our family life's busy this has been a really busy week this month has been busy this year has been so busy for our family and if you don't notice haven't noticed this we all live there all the time we all live in I'm busy and we think that oh right now is busier than it was two months ago but no two months ago we're just as busy as now that kind of thing. However. I noticed something else, and this is with all the the, the shutdowns with COVID-19. This is with all the things that we were all living through and all going through at the same time. I noticed that as we went from I'm busy before March to the months of April and May, the conversation changed. It wasn't I'm busy anymore. It was instead, I just can't wait for this to be over. I'm just so tired of how all this is. I can't I can't handle much of this anymore. It it is so bad. I've got, I don't know what to do with my time. I'm bored. I can't go to school or I can't go to work or I can't whatever. But I think that if we tend to focus so much on all the stuff we couldn't do, we miss out on all the stuff that God was doing. And if we think so much about the things that were taken away from us, we miss the things that God has been placing in our life. And and that's not true just during a a COVID-19 lockdown because we can look at things and say, oh, just, you know, this was so hard right now because God wasn't, he may have been faithful at the time, but man, so many things were going wrong. I was missing out on so much stuff. And if you do that, you miss out on the goodness of God so much in the same way that you might have been missing out on the goodness of God when we were saying that we were so busy all the time and talking about how difficult life was when that was happening. So this morning, as we talk about gratitude, I want to talk about it in a little bit different way than we normally do. I I want to talk about uh, this idea that we always think about, if I could just get past this, at least this is true for me. I don't know if you like this or not. If I could just get past the okay. And I think in our mind, we've kind of thought about it. If I can just get past all the difficulty that we're facing this year, what 2020 is, if I can just get past that, then it's all going to be okay. And we didn't know what 2020 was going to hold for us, and and we don't know what 2021 is going to hold for us either. But I want to talk to you about what does it mean to have gratitude along the way? And not just gratitude once something is over, but instead to have gratitude, have real gratitude as things are happening in your life. This road of life that we're all walking down together, that as you go in your daily life, your, your school going, your, your work going, the everything that you do every day, as you're going on that, finding gratitude and having gratitude as you go along the way um, with that. So as we talk about gratitude, I don't want you to just simply think about, I've heard this all before. And it may be that you've heard this all before. But I want you to think about what gratitude have you missed over the past eight months? What blessings has God been pouring into your life that you haven't seen because you've been focusing on the negative things instead of looking at the, the, the positive things and the good things? Because here's what I know about you because I know this is about me so I know it's true about you too is that I have a choice to murmur and complain and just gripe about things. And you and I have that exact same choice but if you'll take a step back and look at things from a different perspective it starts to change things. And gratitude is seen best when you take a different perspective on the things that are in our life. So there's a biblical scholar named Matthew Henry. He's written numerous uh, commentaries, um, great speaker. And, and one of the things that happened in his life one day was that he was robbed. He was out um, walking on the street, robbed of his wallet. It was taken from him. And one of the things that um, he did that night, he got home and he started writing his diary. And he wrote in his diary four things. He said, there's four things I'm thankful for, even though I got robbed today. So the first thing he said was this, that he had never been robbed before. Second thing was that even though they took his wallet, they did not take his life. Third thing he said was even though they took it all, it wasn't very much. And the fourth thing was that he was the one being robbed, not the one who was robbing. I want you to think about how ingratitude sometimes pulls us down, but how a different perspective can change things in our life and um, can change these feelings of discontent, these feelings of everything is unfair and this shouldn't be happening to me, the feelings of greed that happen, in my life that I just want more, I want something different. Things that just aren't going right. It would not be... You can make that list easy. Hey, number your paper, 1 to 20. Tell me 20 things that aren't going well right now. You could probably come up with those things. But what good does that really do? And what good does it do for you to think about that and to dwell on that? What good is it really that in the summer we're thinking, man, if it was just colder? If it was just colder, I'd be happy. And then winter comes and we're like, man, if it was just hot. Like, I'm just so cold. If it was just warmer, I'd be happy. And, and when rainy days come, we're like, there could be another day that just wasn't raining. And when the non-rain days come, like, it's so dry. We just need the rain. We can find the things. That's just our human nature. We can find the things that aren't going well, and we can look at those things and say, I wish that they were something different. But really, what that may show us is a lack of gratitude for the things that are. So last spring break, my family and I, we were in uh, South Camping, and this was all about the time that all of the, the change that we were about to experience for 2020 were just about to to hit. And we were sitting there um, outside, and we got the email. And the email said the school in the school district had been um, canceled for the next week. One more week of spring break. We're like, hey, this is going to be great. Our kids will get an extra week of spring break. It's like an extra week of vacation for them. And that'll be, you, we're going to talk about this for years. This will be amazing. You remember the year that we had two weeks of spring break? And so that'll be great that we get to have that. And then... Well, you kind of know how everything else started going. But through all the shutdowns, through all the cancellations, through all the changes, through all the postponements, we had a choice. And we still actually have that same choice. We can be bitter. You can be bitter about the things that are happening here. You can choose to get better because of the things that are happening and how to live through that. Again, it may be I just want to put this in your head. It may be that God has been so present in the last eight months, pouring goodness into your life, and you and I may have missed it because of the things we were looking at that weren't as good as we wanted them to go. Because God's been just as much at work in these last eight months as he was before it all hit, and just as much as he was in all of our lives. He hasn't changed. He is with his love, with his faithfulness to be there. And there's one thing that can help you see that differently your perspective. It's one word. We've already talked about it, but I just want to make sure you're paying attention. So I'm just going to ask you, what's that word? It starts with G, ends with gratitude. It is, thank you. I will say that wasn't quite as enthusiastic as first service, but I will still count it. And you think about the opposite of gratitude is ingratitude. And you think about the idea that so much of the time we can be grateful for things or we can be ungrateful for things. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever been accused of being ungrateful? Actually, hold on, don't answer that. How many of you have ever been 13? Okay, so, just kidding, 13-year-olds, we love you guys. We can look at that and we can say, hey, you know what, They look at that. You know, when I was 13, I really wasn't grateful. But it may be that you're still the same right now. And we can't look at younger people or we can't look at something and say, hey, well, they really need to do a better job on that because we're not doing a good job of having gratitude in our hearts right now. Ingratitude can come in, and ingratitude can take over your life in ways that you don't want it to. So William Wilberforce, famous speaker, famous teacher, said this, "Is that ingratitude sickens the heart and chills and thickens the very life's blood of benevolence. I want you to think about what that can do in your life, that ingratitude that can come, and what it can do to your mind, to your thoughts, to your life, and to your attitude. I want you to think about, did God give you your voice, and your speech to complain and grumble. We could dwell on things that aren't like we want them to be and send the negative thoughts and think about how we just wish something was different. Because see, it's amazing. I I think that it's amazing that when we notice the good things that God has given to us, then we find ways to turn those into things that are negative or not so good in our life. So this morning, I want to spend a few minutes talking about a story that you probably know very well Probably a story you've heard many times. It's out of Luke chapter 17. If you've got a Bible, you're welcome to turn to it, but everything's also going to be on the screen, so you can follow along too instead. And all of this that we're going to talk about today hits right at this issue of the intersection of gratitude and ingratitude. When gratitude and ingratitude come to a head, and we find those two things present or not present in our life, and we actually see those in this story here. So here's verse 11 of chapter 17. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. So, I want you to imagine for a second, if you know anything about the geography of the land, that you've got Galilee up here and you've got Judea down here, and in the middle is Samaria. So, he's somewhere in this land between Galilee and Samaria, and he's going to a village, and that's where he's. And it may look something like this on the screen right here. It doesn't look like College Station um, today. It may look something like this. They're traveling on a trail. And he may be going down where he experiences this encounter with these 10 guys. It may look like this instead, different kind of way, but it's, it's out, it's kind of away from a village, it's headed into a village, but it's kind of just out in the country. And you've got these 10 guys that are there because these 10 guys weren't allowed in town because the leprosy in their life and the, and the disease that they had, had, had said that they're not allowed to be near other people. Because it was thought that leprosy was highly contagious. And it is contagious. It's not highly contagious, but it is contagious. And the way that it was, they thought that it would be transmitted was if you're just anywhere near someone or you come up and brush against them or touch them, then you're going to get this dreaded disease. And, and it, it was a dreaded disease not because of what it did to your body, but because of what it did to your life. Because it not only would, would ravage your body, but it also would take you away from your family. And it would take you away from your friends, and it would take you away from your home, and it would take you away from community that you lived in, take you away from the town that you lived in. And so what would happen was these guys that would have leprosy, they would, they would just kind of find ways to get together because there weren't like leper colonies then. But these guys, they would just kind of gravitate toward each other. And, and outside the town and outside the community, I want you to imagine what would it be like if you wake up one day and realize that you've got something and this is going to take you away from everything that you've known and you've got to leave everything and just go out into the rural areas and just spend the rest of your life. It's like a, it's like a really slow death sentence on your life. And that's what these guys that we're going to meet in this story dealt with. So on a ranger's let me traveled along the road to, between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going to a village, there were ten men who had leprosy that met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. There were some people that thought that this leprosy would be like this divine sign of God's disfavor on their life or God's punishment um, in their life. And so if you had the disease, you could actually live a long time still, but you could not live the life that you had lived. So notice what they're doing. They're not up close. They're far away because the law said they had to be far away. And they say this, they, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And and you don't know if they really knew who Jesus was or you don't know if they really understood what Jesus could do for them, but they knew there was something different about him. They knew enough to call him Master, and they said, have pity on us. Now, if you go through and you read other gospel um, encounters where Jesus had with people, most of the time what he's doing is he's going up, and he's putting his hands on someone. Or he's going up and he's, he's, he's touching someone. He's healing them that way. And that's not the case here. In fact, if you look at this and it says, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. It says, when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. It doesn't say anything that he was close to. They were far away from him. They said in a loud voice. And you kind of assume that Jesus was also saying in a loud voice, go show yourselves to the priests. Go show yourselves to the priests. What do you say? Go show yourselves to the priests. Okay? Not exactly what we were hoping for. But they went. And they went, and I want you to know that that's a moment of faith on their part, because at that point, there's no indication at all that there was any healing that had even begun. And there was no indication that what they were doing was going to lead to what they wanted, because it could be that they were thinking, this really is a curse from God. I'm just going to go to the priest. He's going to say the same thing to me. Everybody else has said, no, get away from me. Stay out of way. You're unclean. This is just going to add insult to injury one more time. Jesus, why would you do that to us? But they don't. And they go and they start making their way to the priest. Now, we don't know if it's one priest they're going to. We don't know if it's multiple priests they're going to. We don't know if it's somewhere pretty close or somewhere far away. Likely it's at least a few hours away could be all the way to Jerusalem, a two days journey from about where they are that they're going to go. But the Old Testament law said if you had a disease and you were an outcast then you were going to be someone who uh, was going to come back into society because you've been cured, you had to be approved, you had to be checked off by the, by the priest. And so that's what they were going to go do. It's a law that once you had the disease, you had to get the approval of the priest if you were going to come back into any kind of life that was going to be was going to be back to normal at all. So they go, and somewhere along the way, somewhere as they go along this journey, they realize something's changing. I don't know if it was like an hour into the journey, or if it was like three or four hours in the journey. I don't know if like they'd gone somewhere and they'd spent the night, and, and so they wake up and they, they look at their body and they're like, whoa, look, look. And they, they talk to their friend, I'm healed too. And it's not that they just got their... Physical body back, this was more than that. They were actually getting their life back by this healing. And so, as they go along this and they realize that they've been healed, they realize that this is something extraordinary that's about to happen. This moment of faith that they had to answer Jesus and to go out and to start going toward the priest somewhere along the way, and again, we don't know when it was maybe a few hours, maybe a day or so that they realize we are healed and we are clean. And this is where this story starts to intersect with this attitude of gratitude and ingratitude. Because verse 15 says this. It says, one of them, I want you to notice that just one of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus. Okay, I don't want to pretend you're really good at math or anything, but how many started? Ten, and how many came back? Okay, so if you think about it, how many did not come back. And we can look at that and we can think about, okay, well, how ungrateful are they? Look at what Jesus did for them and and they don't even come back and they don't even say thanks. But I, I want you to think about something here and that is this, that if we were to go and talk to these people, I think we'd find they're incredibly grateful. I think you and I can look at this story and we can read this story and we can kind of in our own isolation look at this and say, why didn't they go back and say thanks? But I think that if you were to ask these nine, are you grateful? Yeah, we're grateful. Absolutely we're grateful. We got our health back. We got our lives back. We get our family back. Yes, thank you so much. We are so grateful to Jesus for what he did for us. Let's go. And they take off running to the priest because they can't wait to get clean and get cleared to be able to enter life back where they were. But first thing was a first. They had to go see the priest. But there's one guy. And again, we don't know if he goes before he sees the priest. We don't know if he's seen the priest, he comes back afterwards. He's a Samaritan. he it gone to a priest in Samaria. And it may have been closer, it may have been farther. We don't know. Jesus was between Galilee and Samaria. But, but look at this. One of them, when he came back, he saw he was healed. He came back praising God. And look at this, in a loud voice. And you know that's right, right? And because it started, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And it wasn't said in quiet. And he didn't come back and say, Listen, I really appreciate what you did for me. That was very kind of you. My life's going to be forever changed. He comes back praising God in a loud voice. And look at the next thing. He throws himself at the feet of Jesus and thanks him. And then Luke includes, he was a Samaritan. It was this idea that he was Jewish guys that should have gotten this right. And here's a Samaritan that was being more faithful even than the Jews were coming back and worshiping God. But as he comes back, Jesus realizes something, and that's this. Notice the three questions that Jesus asks here. And I think that as Jesus asks this, I think he's saying this a little bit facetiously. I think he's saying a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I think that the people that, that were around Jesus, as disciples and stuff, he's saying that for their benefit too. And so notice the questions. Jesus asks, we're not all ten cleansed? He's like, was, was my power not good enough? Was I not able to heal those other ten? What, what happened here? Because you're back, but hold on, ten minus one is nine. There's nine more that aren't here. Did I not, did it just not work? What's the deal? And he says, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this four? And I want you to realize this one that came back he'd gotten his life back, but he came back to thank the one that allowed him to go forward with his life. This one that came back, he came back to Jesus to thank him for allowing him to go forward in his life. He came back to the one person that allowed him to move forward in his life, and he gave him thanks just simply for that. And he didn't come back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you have done in my life. This is going to be different not in just my life, but in my kids' life, and in my family's life, and forever. This is going to be different in my life. And, and, and you think about, well, where are the other nine? And the reason you think this is the reason that that, that Jesus had said something here. Because this incredible act of faith that all Ten of them had to leave when Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. They all thing that healed them. In fact, if you look at this, Jesus says, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And you may remember other times that Jesus has said the same kind of thing. So Jesus was talking to a woman one time in this verse out of Luke chapter 8. It says, then he says to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And to a blind guy that Jesus had healed, he said, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And to the woman that washed Jesus' feet, Jesus said to her, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. These ten guys, they all stepped out in faith. They all went in faith to go and to be able to do what Jesus had told them to do, and that was to head toward the priest. And on the way, their faith, because what they had done, had healed them. And they had been healed, and they were thankful, but there's something missing. So I want you to think back for... A moment to maybe days when you were uh, trick or treating, and if you're a kid, you might remember this, and you may remember this when you were a kid. If you're an adult or been a parent, then maybe you remember this as a parent. And, and so you go up to someone's house and you knock on the door, trick or treat, and they come out and give candy, and, and you take it in your hand or in the bucket or whatever. And the and the adult that's with you, they have a question, and it's almost before you can you know turn around and say anything, they have they have a question, and so they're thinking there, and you you're a kid, you got your candy. Andy, you're happy, and the, the adult there, they've got a question. What's their question, by the way? Yeah, what do you say? And we all know that because we know that when something happens and someone gives you something, there is something that needs to be done in response to that, and that is there needs to be a moment of gratitude that you say something. And for the kid, he's sitting there, and he's like, well, I don't know. What, what do I say? I wish it was chocolate. Like, what do I say? I don't know what to say. And for the parents, they're sitting there, and they're like, no. This can't happen. You've got to say thank you. And I've been there before as a parent and you're sitting there like, oh my goodness, what do you say? You've got to say thank you. You can't take that candy and not say thank you. This moment, because we realize that when someone does something for you, there ought to be a moment of gratitude in return. And you've felt this before, probably from someone that didn't show gratitude toward you. You've done something for someone. You've made a sacrifice for someone. You've gone out of your way and helped someone, and they came and they received whatever blessing it was or whatever goodness that it was, and they didn't say anything in in your mind. You're kind of starting to go, why wouldn't they even say thanks? And we feel the sting of that. We feel the ingratitude, and we know what ingratitude feels like. It's very likely that you have, like I have, Someone's done something for you, someone's been kind to you, and, and even though you felt gratitude in your life and in your heart, you didn't take a moment to express that and didn't tell them that, and so to them, it doesn't feel like gratitude, it feels like ingratitude. And, and here's something that I've learned, it's that unexpressed gratitude feels the same as ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude feels the same as ingratitude. So someone, they may be very thankful in their heart, and you ask them, yeah, I'm thankful absolutely, I'm so grateful for what they did for me. They made such a sacrifice for me. They helped me in so many ways. But if you don't say it, then it's not felt. And so that unexpressed gratitude, it feels like ingratitude. And as a kid, there's someone there saying, hey, what do you say? We say thank you. As an adult, there's no one there to say it anymore. And we may just let those words just not be present on our our minds much at all. Yeah, you may be thankful when someone gives you something or something like that. You may have decent manners and kind manners and just that kind of thing. But we're talking about the gratefulness in your heart and the gratefulness that really would be there. So these guys, I want you to think about, it it wasn't so much maybe that Jesus is saying, aren't they grateful? But he's saying, where are they? Because he is healed and they haven't returned. So in the last eight months, again, I just want you to think about what is it that God has done in each of our lives that we've missed because we've let other things get in the way. And if you ask us, yeah, we're grateful, yeah, we're so thankful, but we haven't expressed that to God. We haven't gone and talked to God about that. And I want to say, if, if just in general, if you're just not a very grateful person, that that can change. You know, one of the best things about good habits is that they can replace bad habits. And those bad habits can't be in our life anymore. can get taken out of our life because we replace them with something that's good. And so if there's a new habit that needs to be formed in your life, I want to encourage you to do it. But I want you to think about the rest of 2020. We're in this next to last month. But the rest of 2020 could have a very marked difference in your life if gratitude was on the forefront of your heart. And so if you've not been thankful, then get thankful. And if you haven't had gratitude, it's a great thing to do to get gratitude and live out the rest of 2020 in a way that maybe the rest of 2020 could have been lived in a really good way because gratitude adds power and complaining adds weakness. And it's easy to complain about your school and it's easy to complain about your work and it's easy to complain about your family. You can complain about stuff that you know the best because you know it best. You know the things that aren't great and it's not hard to come up with those lists. But what's worth it is to look past what you would write down in a list and find the good and move toward it and recognize God working in it and see how God wants you to live into it as well. So there's something I want you to know about and it's going to be up on the screen it's this. It's that joy doesn't make you grateful. But gratitude makes you joyful. And joy follows gratitude. So when you think about that, like, I just don't have joy in my life. And and if you just have joy and you try to put it in your life, that's not going to make you grateful. However, if you have gratitude and you start to make a choice daily of having gratitude in your life, it can bring joy into your life that you have not experienced before because joy follows gratitude. It's like it's a highway that when you've got gratitude in your life, joy is able to come in because, again, your perspective has changed. You see things differently than you had seen them before. And you have a different perspective and different outlook on life. Have you seen those people with a different perspective before? Like they just come in, there's, there's a joy in their life. There is the, there's a presence of, of just, they make things better when they're around. And you've also probably seen otherwise. Don't be the person that makes the room more joyful by leaving. Be the person that when you come in, you've let gratitude and you've let God have a place in your heart And you make things better. Beautiful people are a delight to be around, and their spirit is catching. But ungrateful people, it's more difficult. And it is not possible to simultaneously be grateful and resentful all at the same time. So in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we've got this verse that says this. This verse, this is give thanks, and it's one we talk about every Thanksgiving. It's when we spend a lot of time focusing on when you're not thankful. Someone says, hey, you need to be thankful. Oh, you're right, I need to be thankful. I'm going to do a better job at that. Less in gratitude, more gratitude. You're right, I'm going to do better at this. But I want you to see the last part of this verse. This is, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And to know that when we allow ingratitude into our lives, when we are grumbling, when we're complaining, we're talking about all the negative stuff that's happening in our life, and I get it, you may be a professional grumbler. Like, you don't get paid for it, but but you do a really good job at it. Like, it's a national pastime in our country sometimes. Let's just find the things that are wrong. Let's talk about it because we can find unity in the things that are wrong. And I'll support you and you support me. We feel better about each other because of that. And so you're just griping or you're complaining, you're grumbling. But when you and I do that, we're outside of God's will. Because it's God's will that we would give thanks in all circumstances. and, And we can't gripe and complain and mumble about stuff in a negative way and still be thankful for it in the same time. It's just... Impossible to do. So, I want to help you a little bit. Again, if you don't mind participating in this, just go ahead and raise your hand. That's no, okay. You can. It's not high, just like this. Like you be Okay, good. Some of y'all are like, "What is he going to have us do?" So, okay, just repeat after me. I will, to the best of my ability, yes, my ability. Not, whine, murmur, complain, not whine, murmur, or complain, or gripe about anything or anyone for the next 24 hours. Now some of you, okay, so I know this. You may not have anything out loud yet, but in your mind you're thinking, what is this? This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever done in church before in my life. And he has got me up here, tricked me into this. Now I can't say anything negative for the next 24 hours? What am I going to talk about in the car ride home? Like, what do we do after church except for talk about how things didn't go the way we want them to? I can't talk about people. I can't talk about church. I can't talk about anything now. It's going to be a silent 24 hours for (laughs) y'all. That's kind of sad, right? But if you when we make a decision to take the negative stuff out of our life, the ingratitude out of our life, we make a decision not to complain, not to whine, not to gripe, because it is so easy to do. We say, that's just not going to have a place in my life right now. You just try it for 24 hours. See what difference it makes. If you catch yourself doing it, then just stop and, and correct that. And see if you can say things filled with gratitude, filled with kindness, filled with love for the next 24 hours. Okay, so I told you about the leaves at the beginning. That I noticed there weren't very many things on there that were just the physical things. Because here's something I've noticed about myself is that when I start writing down things that I'm thankful for, and you say, hey, Monty, come up with a list of, of things you're thankful for. I really do kind of gravitate to the physical things. I start talking about the things that, that I have. I start thinking about the material things that are in my life, and I start thinking about, you know, clothes that I have, place to live, something to drive, a phone, a computer, TV, whatever it is. Like, we start thinking about all those things in our life. And I want you to, to think about what if it didn't, what if it weren't those things? What if it wasn't the, oh, yeah, I've got, you know, a heater on a cold day and I've got shoes to wear. What if it's not chocolate chip cookies or warm chocolate chip cookies even though they're really, really good? But what if instead you started thinking about no idea how to even start to evaluate their value in your life? And you start realizing the blessing that God has given you in those things. When I move past, I have a price tag on, thankfulness comes out in my heart. The most gratitude is present in my life when I do that. And I want you to imagine, what would your life be like? What would your heart be like? What would your attitude be like? What would your mental health be like? If you could choose gratitude. Someone come up to me and just put a bowl of flour at the table and say, hey, come on, let's gather around, let's eat this bowl of flour together. Because that would be just not good at all. And no one's ever said, hey, have this stick of butter, it's really good. Because I'm not going to take that because this is not going to appeal to me. And you think about the ingredients that go into a cake for a second. You think about the butter that goes in there, the flour that goes into there. There's some sweet things like sugar, you know, and a little bit of sugar is okay, but a lot of sugar is just kind of, it's just too much. You think about like baking powder. You think about all the stuff, a raw egg that goes into cake. And all those things on their own, if you were to give them to me and if I were to give them to you, you'd say, no, nah, I'm not really interested in that because that just doesn't, I don't like that. It doesn't appeal to me. It's not good. I don't want it. I don't want anything. When you put those things and that mixer starts doing its work and it starts turning things around and it starts mixing them together and turning them upside down and blending them together and something is, is really good happening there, but you don't stop there and, and you take the stuff that mixer has done and you go and you put it in the oven and you slide it in, all of a sudden the fire starts doing its work and it starts changing all those things that on their own weren't good at all to into something that's really, really good. And, and that oven starts doing its work and all of a sudden a smell starts coming out of the oven that's just like, oh man, this is great, I can't wait for this. And, you know, for me, if I'm, if I'm in the house or if I'm in the neighborhood and I start smelling that, like I'm coming. And I'm coming and I'm finding that cake and I'm gonna take some bluebell and mix it together, make an own mixture there. I'm gonna have something delicious and it's gonna be great. But all those things on their own, they weren't they weren't that good. And I want you to think about maybe this year has been like that for you. And maybe it wasn't this year, maybe it's a previous year that's 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 been like that for you. That the things that you've looked at, they've been hard. They've been difficult. You would not ask for these in a million years. It's like you're living right now in a bowl of flour kind of moment and it's, it's bitter and it doesn't taste good and it just dries your mouth out and you see no hope coming at all. It's like something you've experienced, like someone handing you a raw egg and saying, hey, drink this, it's delicious. And you're like, no, thank you. I don't want that in my life ever. And yet you've lived through that. And let me tell you about the goodness of God and what he can do in those moments. Because we can live in these moments that are so difficult and so hurtful that we would never ever ask for them and God can say hold on because I'm making a cake out of your life I'm making a mixture together I'm taking some stuff and I'm blending it together and when you see what's going to happen with this oh it's going to be something that you can't even imagine how good it's going to be and God takes the hurts in our life and he takes the pain in our life and takes the difficulty in our life and he takes it and he makes something good out of it who else could do that but God but he can And he does. And so again, if this has been a really difficult time for you or today is a really difficult time for you, I want you to know about the grace of the Lord that we can walk in and the goodness that he can bring out of our life. And it doesn't mean that as we're walking through it that it's easy because God has never promised to take hurt away from us, but he promised that he would always be with us when it's hard. And that is such a blessing. And that is such a good thing to know. So Psalm 103 is this really great psalm that reminds us of this as well i want you to think about this This praise the lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name praise the lord my soul and forget not his benefits then look at these because because the writer lists them out who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit And notice this, and crowns you with love and compassion. When we look at our lives and we look at the things that God has done for us, how can we look at that and not be thankful when we realize what it is? And we look at that and we say, who else could forgive us? We can't do that on our own. We can't be good enough. Just try it. You can't. Next 24 hours. It's not going to go good for some of y'all. You're going to complain, right? I'm going to complain because I can't be perfect. But God forgives all of our sins. He heals all of our diseases and he redeems our life from the pit. I'm going to talk about a cake moment for a second. Those individual ingredients that go into a cake may not be good on their own, but God can make them into something good. And these things right here are not good on their own. The sins that are in our life are not good. The diseases in our life are not good Our life being in the pit is not good, but look at that last line and look at what God does. He crowns you with compassion. And so we can talk all day about being thankful for physical things, and we can talk about being thankful for relationships and things that we can't put a value on, but I want you to realize that we as people have worthy of our gratitude in the same way that that guy came back to Jesus and said thank you to him and threw himself at Jesus's feet and worshiped him is the same attitude that we can have that we can come to Jesus and we can say God I'm not seeing everything you're doing right now but I know you're doing something right now and I'm gonna be faithful in it I'm gonna walk in it and you can know that God I am yours because you have always said that you're gonna be mine You know, when you think about that song, it is well, in those words are written. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole. They are nailed to the cross, and I bear them no more. And it is a praise the Lord kind of moment. And so when we look at our lives... And we think about Thanksgiving, or we think about 2020, or we think about the things that we can put a price tag on, or the things we can't put a price tag on, or we think about the forgiveness that we have alone in Jesus Christ attitude. Because ingratitude has gotten you nowhere, ingratitude has never gotten me anywhere that I need to be. Been an encouragement to you in our time of worship as we wrap up today. I'm thankful just for brothers and sisters in Christ and the people that we can call family. And if you need to speak to our elders or have someone to pray with you, you've got someone in your heart that you just want to share, they're going to be back in the Welcome Center after this is over. And so I invite you to come there. And I'd love to talk to you too. I'm not going back there. I'm going to be up here. And so if you want to come and find me, that'd be great. If you uh, want to talk about your relationship with Jesus, man, so, so glad. Do that. So John can lead us in another song or two and we'll be done for this morning. God bless you. Thank you for being here.